Thank you for joining The Collective today. The Collective is a storytelling podcast interviewing hairstylists and makeup artists. On today's episode of The Collective, we have Noelle Red Denny. Red is a hairstylist, educator, and mentor in the beauty industry. Thank you so much, Red, for joining us on The Collective today. Of course. So excited to have you. I'm excited so, to be here. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. So I always start every interview out with, who is Red? My name is Noelle Denny, but people have been calling me Red since high school. It's a nickname that just stuck. Plus, you know, I like to look like Ariel from The Little Mermaid. Um, but I think the best way to describe Red would be educator, mentor, stylist, um, girlfriend, sometimes a mess. <laughs> uh, but when it comes to this industry, I think the biggest thing when it comes to me is that I'm always forward thinking and I'm always looking to the future. Uh, one of the things that I've learned, I've been in this industry for 15 years and I've learned that, you know, even with the cosmetic industry to the hair industry to, you know, people who are in union, non-union, um, behind the chair, owning all those different things, all those different avenues. One of the things that I strive on myself is I am funny. I am loud. I talk really fast and I'm always looking for the next big thing. I'm looking how I can not only inspire myself, but inspire others. I'm looking for different ways that I can find maybe the newest trend, but make it make it more understanding to those people who may not be as quick thinkers or people who can't really develop that information as quick. I always want to be the one to teach, but I always want to learn. I don't know if that's the best way to describe myself, but that's how I see myself. No, I agree with that 110% completely, <laughs> completely. So congratulations. Oh, you just shared some news with me that I saw on social media, but I want to say congratulations. So you are a brand new salon owner and yeah. <laughs> share with everybody your journey to getting to that point. How did well, Red become a salon owner? The funny thing is, if you would have asked me five years ago, Red, are you going to own a salon in 2020? I'd be like, you are tripping. No way. And I think the reason why was because I started my journey really rough. Um, the very first salon I ever worked in was on state board probation. And they didn't let me know until I had been working there for two weeks and state board showed up. And, you know, one of the things I learned is because of all the fines you have to get to even get onto probation, uh, it was an obscene amount of fines. And I was like, I'm never going to go through this. I'm never going to own. I'm never going to manage employees. I'm never going to do that. Um, but it's crazy because, you know, 10 years later, um, I now, I at the time, I was doing hair in three different cities. So for those of you who don't know San Diego County, um, San Diego is huge. Uh, and one of the where I work mainly is in a city called Poway. Um, and I, from there, I was doing hair 35 minutes south of there and an hour north of there. So I was doing hair in three different cities. And, you know, I'm 36 years old and I just the driving was killing me. And so uh, one day my boss at the school, actually, where I work as a cosmetology instructor, she goes, how much do you pay in rent? And it, all three places. And long, long story short, I realized the math just didn't make sense anymore. And I needed one central location. Um, I am starting small. I'm in a studio. But the cool thing is, is it's central for most of my clients and the clients that do have to drive a little bit farther. I offered them a 10% intro discount to get them there. 
starting up a salon was really hard because I don't, I've never owned a business. I've never, you know, had to file for a business license, a something I'd never even heard of, which was uh, understanding a fictitious business license and then a reseller's permit. And then understanding if I want to be DBA, LLC or corp, sub corp S. Um, so when I started, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what I'm doing. So I started out as a sole proprietor, but happy to say that I am officially an LLC as of last week, uh, which is huge for me, but I'm really excited because even though I'm starting small, it's just a two person studio. I already have uh, one part-time person who works for me three days a week, one person that works two days a month and another person that works one day a month. So I'm finding ways to build my business in a way where I can bring in new stylists, but I can also bring in potential business and a great way to market the salon, which is called R&D Studio. So really excited about that. Oh, that's awesome. I'm so excited for you. I'm just like <laughs> listening to you talk. I'm just sitting here smiling so big because I, <laughs> I'm just so excited. So you have the salon and you're still teaching. Yes. So I am a full-time manager of the cosmetology department at a school called Bellis Academy. We are mainly focused in Southern California. So we have a campus in Poway, California, one in Chula Vista, California, and one in El Cajon. And then we randomly have a campus in Manhattan, Kansas. Really random. <laughs> but a lot of people know who we are because uh, the woman that is our owner, her name is Linnell Lynch. She actually started the really large campaign for, it's a, it was a nonprofit, now it's a profit, uh, charity for the hair industry called Beauty Changes Lives. So they are really well known in the beauty industry because they have supported so many people in this industry. And they're always looking toward the future of our industry. So with that, we have a great benefit at the school that I work for where we can actually help these students get jobs. We can help them get living expenses. We can help support them and sponsor them in hair competitions where other schools may not offer that. We do because we're always looking to see how we can benefit the future of this business. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. So after this, we'll have to, um, I'll have to do some research about them because even though I'm in the industry, I don't, I know I've heard the name, but I don't feel like I know enough about them. So I'll definitely have to do some research there. So does this school, um, you and I met each other through the Paul Mitchell world. Does this yeah. school have any affiliation with Paul Mitchell? No, they, no. Okay. so, um, <laughs> so the thing is, is a lot of people, what they don't know about Paul Mitchell as a company, they are three different entities. So there's the John Paul Mitchell systems, there's the Paul Mitchell, the schools, and there's advanced Academy that creates the curriculum for the schools. Bellis is all in one. We don't have different entities. So the great thing about that is because we are smaller is that we don't have to go through a large amount of channels to make decisions. Um, I think one of the other bigger things is we have such an amazing staff that works for our company. A lot of us have our platform artists. A lot of us have been recognized in Aesthetica Magazine, Modern Salon, Behind the Chair. A lot of us are running our own education businesses on the side. Um, the affiliation isn't there, but we are, you know, we're, we're the main competitors for them in our area. I know that for sure. But the cool thing is there are educators that work for Paul Mitchell that run their own educational companies. Perfect example, Lucas Doney and Clinton Norris, they run varsity education. Bellis works with them all the time. So the cool thing is, is when Claybaugh, who's the dean of all schools, is one of Linnell Lynch's best friends. So like they don't, there's no like 
rude competition there. Like we all support each other, even though we're considered, you know, air quote competition, we still support each other because we're all doing the same thing. We are all rounding the future of this business because one of my passions is educating. And what's so sad is that there are people out there that don't believe they need a license to do hair or makeup. They just watch YouTube. And unfortunately, you're not going to get that education that you need to, to thrive in this business through social media. You need to get your license. You need to get that support from your educators and see what you can do with this business. Beautiful. It's amazing that you'll get to have, you still have all those amazing relationships that you can keep in touch with where you're at now and, and where you were. So how, so tell us about teaching in a hair school, the cosmetology school. How is it? It's amazing. I have now been, um, as of February, I reached my seventh year as an educator in the cosmetology industry. If you would have asked me um, when I first got my license if I was going to be a teacher, I would have told you absolutely not. <laughs> um, and the only reason why I say that is because I saw what my teachers had to go through. And I was like, I'm never going to want to deal with this millennial. No. <laughs> but um, how I became a teacher was actually by accident, I guess you could say. Um, I graduated from the Paul Mitchell School in Santa Barbara, California. And if a lot of you have ever been to Santa Barbara or if you, you visited, you know that State Street is like the main strip there. And the Paul Mitchell School was in the back parking lot of the bar I used to bartend in. And so uh, when I graduated from school, I always would see the Paul Mitchell directors and managers come in with guest artists to have lunch. And they all knew that I was also a bartender. I was doing hair and I was working at Mac Cosmetics at the time. And, you know, to live in Santa Barbara, you have to have like nine jobs to afford a shoebox apartment. Um, and, you know, this woman named Jen Montoya, who is an amazing educator and manager with Paul Mitchell, she said, hey, you know, our guest artist for makeup canceled. Would you want to come teach a class on Tuesday night? And I said, yeah, sure. You know, I'm not working. So I went in to teach this makeup class. It was just like a red carpet makeup look. And I had just done uh, Santa Barbara Film Festival. So I had just done a ton of red carpet looks. So I was like, oh, my kids, good to go. I'll just do that. And what I didn't realize was Sam Burns, who is was a giant mentor for me within the hair industry, was in the back of the room watching me. And I was so nervous, like dropped every brush and you know, but the, the model came out beautiful. The students were really stoked. I mean, any millennial that gets to meet a Mac artist, they get so stoked. You know that you worked for them. Um, and he was like, you know, can I talk to you? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, kind of starstruck right now. And he goes, okay, so when can you start? And I was like, excuse me. And he goes, that was your interview to become an educator with this campus. We would love to have you as an educator. And I was like, oh yeah, sure. Okay. Um, I have three other jobs right now, but I will figure it out. And, you know, being a teacher, one of the hardest things is, is patience. Um, I, I, I don't have children. You are an amazing mother and have a gaggle of children. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm not. And I don't know that patience. And I didn't know that patience right when I started. And fast forward now to seven years later, I have so much patience uh, because I have to remember what it was like being in school and how to hold a comb, how to place a foil, how to blow dry. You know, those are things that come so natural or so fluid to someone like me who's behind the chair all the time. But to a new learner, it's foreign, foreign objects, you know, and yeah. <laughs> Gosh, so between between you being in school, a student yourself, and then and then teaching, who was read between those years? What were you doing between those years? 
So there was a three years from when I got my license to when I became an educator. Um, at the time, I was working for Mac Cosmetics in Santa Barbara. I was a bartender, and I worked behind the chair at an amazing salon on Upper State Street called Salon U. During that time, it was really hard because I had to balance my lifestyle with what I wanted to do with my life because, you know, I never knew if I wanted to become full-time makeup artist, full-time hairdresser, if I wanted to do both, if I wanted to also bartend because I was getting older and working till 4 a.m. was horrible. Um, so, you know, one of the things I did start, though, the three months after I graduated from school, I started my own wedding business. And in Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara, I believe the last time I checked, which was years ago, was the second city for destination weddings in the world other than Hawaii. And it was so great because I didn't have to really market myself because Santa Barbara was such a small town that they were able to just referrals just started coming and going. Like I would do a bridesmaid in one wedding and she would want me for her wedding and so on and so forth. And as I started doing hair and makeup uh, weddings, I was doing two weddings a day, Saturdays and Sundays, and I was exhausting, but the money was so great that I realized maybe I don't want to be a bartender anymore. Maybe I don't want to sell retail anymore. And it wasn't until I became an instructor, I was only an instructor for maybe a month and I quit bartending, I quit Mac, and I just ran my wedding business, did hair and worked at the school. And that's what I met you, I think was um, was during that period. Yeah. You'd already left, left Mac, you left, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so the I bridal business. I remember you and saying, oh my God, you're so beautiful. Like she's like the most prettiest, like warm blonde I'd ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're so silly. <laughs> so um, let's talk about the bridal business. I, yeah. I mean, the bridal business is, is amazing. I mean, it's so profitable. It's, it is. It's, it's lucrative for sure, especially in Santa Barbara. The crazy thing was, is I was so lucky because, you know, um, this was, I don't know if you remember this, but about around 2011-12, the Knot, I, I just can't remember, but I know the Knot did a feature on Santa Barbara and Santa Barbara Artists. And uh, they were talking about, you know, who to hire and stuff like that. And I tried so hard to be on that list and I didn't make the list. But uh, a lot of the people I knew on that list, you know, were able to give me that business as a new business. I guess you could say business owner, but, it, you know, I just kind of use my name for hair and makeup. The crazy thing about Santa Barbara weddings is that there's only a few hotels out there that really cater to the wealthy, to the the upper class people to all the way down to people who don't have a lot of money. They just want a beautiful setting and trying to develop how much to charge and how to, you know, do test runs and all that kind of stuff. It was really hard for me in the beginning. And it wasn't until I started realizing that I just needed to manage my time better. I had managed my time with four jobs at one time, but I couldn't manage how to do two weddings in a day. I think also the hardest part was, you know, hiring assistants and realizing how much money I wanted to give up for those assistants. But I realized it wasn't about that anymore because these people were spreading my, my name like wildfire. If I looked unorganized, if I showed up late, if I didn't have enough hands to help as many people that hired me, I wasn't going to succeed. So I think a biggest, the biggest part about doing weddings is know what you're worth for your prices, but also know your skill level. If you can't handle 15 people in one day by yourself, hire an assistant. Believe me, you may miss out on a little bit of money, but that little bit of support does help. Also know the weather because in Santa Barbara, the weather is so all over the place. And one of the biggest things is something called the marine layer. So a lot of people who did morning weddings, 
you know, would have a cloudy wedding day. So then you have to completely look at, you know, for photos, like how is their makeup going to look? How is their hair going to look? And then all of a sudden at 1.30, Marine Lair burns off and it's 88 degrees and windy. So I think that's really huge, you know, knowing your your atmosphere, knowing the area around you, know your support and know what you're worth. Were there any challenges? I mean, you, those were great, great <laughs> pointers that you just gave us. Were there any challenges that you can think of that you learned from? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge doing weddings in Santa Barbara was beach weddings because everybody is like, oh, I want to, I want to have a beach wedding. And, and, you know, of course, all my brides that wanted a beach wedding had the frizziest hair known to mankind and had the oiliest skin of, of mankind. Right, of course. <laughs> it, it was, oh man. And I, cause I mean, 80% of my brides, I would use airbrush, you know, cause airbrush, all you have to do is when they claim they're not going to cry, when they always cry, dab it, don't wipe it and your makeup won't move. But when you're dealing with ocean air, it's so much different. Um, that was my biggest challenge also with hair. I mean, I had a great product regiment for any type of weather, but you can never gauge Santa Barbara with their winds and with the, how much ocean water is in the air. And that, that was, oh man, that was my biggest challenge. Another big challenge was how many photographers. So there was a, a very large, um, uh, I'm, excuse me, I, I missed it. In my Oh, got it. Okay. Brooks College. So Brooks College was one of the biggest photography colleges in, there was only one in Santa Barbara, one in Ventura and one in LA. And they produced some of the biggest photographers that we know now um, came from these schools. So working with the photographers in Santa Barbara was really difficult. Uh, they always had certain shots in mind, which is, you know, understandable, but as an artist, I like to work with my photographer, like, hey, this is where I'm going to be. These are the times I'm going to be doing the makeup. I know you want certain shots. Like, I like to work my schedule with their schedule. Because when you do that, that just shows you how much more indispensable you are as an artist, that you think of the little tiny details that maybe other artists don't think about. And that, to me, was huge, is working with the photographer. And, you know, we would have this game plan and have this setup, and then they would just come out of nowhere when the bride was curlers rolled in her head, maybe had a face mask on and they're trying to take pictures and it's a very uncomfortable situation. Um, that happened to me a few times working with some of the college students for the photography. Uh, but I also worked with some ama amazing photographers that were, oh my God, the pictures looked amazing. Even I looked good. And that, that was hard to do when I was doing 20 people in one day. Um, but yeah, I think number one challenge always would have been weather. That, that, that was the hardest thing I had to work with. In 19 minutes, we've covered so much information. We've gone through <laughs> your career in the bridal industry, behind the chair, at school, while going to school. What else can we talk about? What else can we learn about Red? Because there's so much to you. And <laughs> I feel like there's um, so, much, so much to oh, share. I Yeah, you know, um, one of the newest ventures I have stepped into is I was just hired as one of the lead educators for a company called Salon Extensions, but it's S-A-L-O-N-X-T-E-N-S-I-O-N-S. There's just no E in the extensions. Um, they have hired me as one of their lead educators for something called a secret beaded method and hand-tied method and tapins. And, you know, I, I for me, one thing that was taught to me at a very early part of my career in educating and with being in this industry, and I think I even talked to you about this one time when you and I were either in Chicago or New York, is Sam Burns, my mentor. He's been my mentor ever since I started. He said something to me that stuck with me. And he said, say yes to everything, but don't be shy to say no if it doesn't work. 
And I have said yes to everything my entire life. And if it doesn't work out, at least I tried. And they came to me. I had been certified with another company. And this company was affected by this COVID-19 early on in December. And they're, they were completely out of stock. And I had clients willing to spend all this money for hand tight extensions. And I had no hair. So this company reached out to me. And I started working with them all throughout uh, December and January. And they started following my work and they were like, wow, you know, you're an amazing educator just from watching you in your stories and seeing the posts that you put out. Would you like to be an educator for our company? We're a newer company. We haven't really got off the ground yet. And but we have some amazing educators uh, on our plate. I was like, yeah, sure. You know, and the great thing about this company for me is that we're doing everything online, which is great because I can still have some sort of income. But two is they are going to make their presence known at all these big hair shows and I get to get there on the ground floor. And if it doesn't work out, at least I tried. But I currently now, because of that, am an educator for Salon Extensions, national educator for John Paul Mitchell Systems, salon owner, salon stylist, and an educator at a cosmetology school. So I have a lot on my plate. <laughs> That's amazing. But you know what? You've always been such an amazing educator. I mean, honestly, like you oh. know how to explain things and explain things to people where they where they get it you know where they understand and you're such an amazing public speaker oh thank you I've tried you really, really are that. not to say uh, um so or like <laughs> no you are I mean I just think like I remember doing trade shows together and how you know I'm so introverted and you're <laughs> not and how easy it would come to you and I just remember being in awe like I I wish I could just be a little bit more outgoing and so let's <laughs> Let's talk more about education then. So now you're an educator for so many things at the yes. same time, and you have been an educator for so many other things in, um, uh, in history and your background as well. So let's talk about education. I know that you're super passionate about it, and it is something that me looking at you, I feel like comes pretty easy for you, and, and that may not be the truth, but that's how I feel about it. So what is it about education? I think, you know, both my parents were teachers. Uh, my mom was a Spanish teacher uh, in both uh, elementary, uh, elementary, mid school, I don't know what it's called nowadays, junior high, I guess, and high school. And then my dad was a, a grade school teacher. And, you know, it was crazy because I actually wasn't deemed to do hair. Like, this was not my path. Uh, my path is I had a full ride scholarship for water polo in high school to UCSB and I got an injury and that was gone because I was going to go to college and be a teacher. Like I was going to follow my parents' footsteps. And so when that didn't work out and I lost my scholarship, you know, it was hair school that, that that's what I was deemed to do. And when the opportunity became, came for me to be an educator, you know, I was like, well, you know, I kind of wanted to be a teacher, <laughs> but for regular schooling. And when I decided to become a cosmetology instructor, I don't think it was until I think my second year of doing it that I realized that I was kind of good at it. Uh, it took me about a year, though, because one thing I've always had to work on my entire career, I work on it to this day, is something called soft skills. Uh, I have great hard skills, like my hands can do some cool stuff. Uh, but sometimes, you know, I, I'm loud, I'm abrasive, I, you know, can talk over people. Uh, but I think, you know, over the years, I've gotten better at it. But as something I'll always work on. 
being an educator, you have to have soft skills because one of my old bosses said it perfectly. They were like, Red, you're going to have a, stu a student that is a stonewall. You can yell at them. You can scream at them. You can tell them they're doing a horrible, horrible job and it won't affect them emotionally. They'll take it as great constructive criticism. And then you're going to have your snowflake. You're, you're going to literally raise your voice to a certain octave and they're going to break down in tears, complain at you, go to whoever they need to go to to try to get you fired. They're like You're going to have those two different personalities and you're going to have to find a way to reach both of them. And that it takes a lot of patience. I think that there's a lot of hairdressers out there, especially right now, because everybody's online right now, that they're like, I want to be an educator. Like, this is great. I want to do this all the time. But the thing is, it's one thing to talk to a computer and one thing to talk to someone through Zoom or all these other platforms, it's another to be face to face with someone and shape them for this industry. And you have to have a certain kind of patience. You have to have a certain kind of kindness. You have to have a certain kind of, I guess, mom mentality where there will be a moment where you'll have to give some sort of air quote punishment, but you also have to think of maybe the sandwich technique that was taught to me a long time ago. Start with the good, give your constructive criticism, but end with the good. Other people like myself, like when I get coached, I don't need the, the sugar coating. I don't need the cotton candy. Just give me the rough because then I'll take it and I'll run with it. And that's something like on every director I've ever had has told me that they're like, the one thing I love about you red is I'll tell you to do something or stop doing something. And I never have to tell you twice. And that's something you have to be able to do as an educator. I just, <laughs> I've just always thought you were such an amazing educator. And I, I love those hard skills. Mm -hmm. oh, so. thank you. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. I mean, I think it's, you know, you're so much fun. And oh, thank you. I think it, I think it, you know, there's a ton of students out there that it really completely talks to, you know, like it really gets them to a level where they can they can understand you and relate to you and it's just fun. Oh, thank you. And challenges in education, is there anything that you've had a challenge with that you've completely, you know, that still to this day you remember and it has helped you to grow tremendously? Anything you can think of? That yes. Um, so one of my biggest challenges in my career was when I got the word that Paul Mitchell Santa Barbara was closing. And I love that, that school. My staff I worked with, we just had such a strong, tight-knit family. And uh, when I got the notification, I got it pretty early on before it happened. I got the opportunity to work um, in Pasadena for both a makeup company and the school. And, you know, for me, like I said earlier in this, is I said I say yes to everything before anything. And I said yes to it. And when I got there, it just wasn't what, what I expected. And I, I truly believe in karma. That's something I really believe in. Um, and I was there for about eight months, just completely unhappy. I couldn't build my, I couldn't build my clientele. I hated driving in LA. I'm, I'm from Sacramento, which is a big city, but traffic is never like how it is in LA. Uh, I couldn't make friends. The, the people out there were just really hard shelled out there. And, you know, I was doing all these things to just make the best of it, make the best of it, make the best of it. And I keep kept telling myself that. And, you know, I was sitting on my couch one day and I was, you know, in tears because I was like, I feel like I need to give up educating. I feel like I need to go back to Santa Barbara, maybe even go back bartending. Like all this work I had done to become an amazing educator and stay within this industry. I felt like it was just slipping through my fingers because I was I got empty promises. I was told things that were never told to me when I moved there because I uprooted my whole life 
to live there and work for this company. And, you know, I got a phone call from my mom one day and my dad had been diagnosed with um, an illness and asked for my help. And, you know, she was expecting me to come for like a couple of weeks and I just moved there. I dropped my whole life in Pasadena and moved to Oceanside. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made uh, because only within six months of living there, I was working at uh, Paul Mitchell School in Temecula. I had worked, started working at a Paul Mitchell Focus Salon at about 20 minutes from there. And I built my clientele. I started making money. Um, I met the love of my life, moved to a city called Alpine, which was very far from where I was. But I was able to fast forward, start working at Bellis, moved all my clients closer to where I work now. And, you know, it, I, it was a blessing in disguise, even though it was one of the hardest times I ever went through. I was broke. I had no clients, no friends. I hated my job. If it wasn't for that experience, I never would be where I'm at right now. We always have those experiences that we look back and we're like, ah, that was such a shitty time. But just like you said, you wouldn't be where you were had, had you not gone through that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think we've all had those experiences and multiple times through, um, but you're right. They help us grow. And so you and I both know that going through those trying times are times that we look back at and we're like, gosh, those were really crappy times and we can't believe we made it through. But then had we not gone through them, we wouldn't be where we are today. And, and knowing that and living through that more times than none, have you are there any words of wisdom that you have from that experience? Yes. Uh, do your research. Definitely do your research. Because in my situation, I was promised a certain hourly pay. I was promised another hourly pay. And because one company was owned or both companies were owned by the same person, I had no reason to uh, not believe what they were saying. I was warned by people like, hey, they're kind of shady. You know, like I, I wouldn't do it if I were you, but if you want to go ahead. And I was like, no, I'm going to say yes, I'm going to do it. If it doesn't work out, at least I tried. Uh, but that it's crazy because that situation I got there and they're like, oh, no, it's not two separate pays. It's one pay and you don't get overtime. You could only get this many hours because of that. And I was just like, wait, what? So when I thought I was going to be making, you know, three, four thousand dollars a month went down to. 1600 and if you any of you have ever lived in LA or $1,600 a month ain't gonna get you anything you know and unfortunately as much as I don't want to rely on money in this industry because I love the beauty industry and I love you know inspiring others that's not enough to live on nowadays um so I would recommend my words of wisdom do your research uh, still say yes, but do your research. And if it doesn't work out for you, at least you said yes, but you did your research and you can go back and say, Hey, you know, I want this in writing, get it in writing. That to me is like, even with my salon, everything's in writing. Every tiny thing is in writing. It's so important to protect yourself as much as you want to give. One thing I know about myself, and my mom said this since I was a kid, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I want everyone to like me and I want <laughs> and I want to be able to inspire and make people smile. But at the end of the day, you still have to protect yourself and be a little bit selfish. I, I just I, I wish I was, but again, I wouldn't be where I'm at. So yeah, I agree. And I was told that my whole life too that I wore my heart on my sleeve and I was too emotional. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm that always. Still emotional. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I agree. And I don't, I think that no matter how close the relationship is with someone and how much you trust them, I think it can never, it can never hurt anyone to have it in writing. It can never yeah. hurt, it can never hurt that friendship or 
because if you really if you re really are friends and if you really have that relationship putting in and writing you both know that that's protecting both of you so I think even you know even on a business level even if it's a business level with some with a stranger or business with your best friend I don't think it can ever hurt us by putting it in writing so I agree wholeheartedly 110 percent so anything else you want to share with us about the industry um I mean like I said, I, I'm a big part of this industry and I may not be a big name in the industry, but I'm a big part of it. Uh, I think that, you know, when it comes to, you know, finding the mentors in this industry, I believe you should have a mentor on every part of your life. I have a education mentor. I have a behind the chair mentor. I have a salon owner mentor. I have a life mentor. I think mentors are huge in this industry because sometimes you need to vent and not have that venting be used as ammunition. Uh, because when you, that's something I learned being an educator, you can't just vent to a coworker because they will take that information and use it as ammunition to better themselves. So I have made sure that all my mentors are outside of my immediate bubble, just so I know that I'm getting true and real and comforting advice, even sometimes constructive advice that I may not want to hear, but I need to hear. Uh, this industry is ever growing and it's always changing. But if the one thing that you can do something I love to know as elevator connections, if you know someone that is interested in this industry, be their mentor, you know, step in and be like, well, this is what I've done. You know, can I help you get there? Please stop watching YouTube videos and think you're a hairdresser. <laughs> Go to school. Let me be there for you. I will walk you through it. But I always just say, you know, if you know, if you love being a part of this industry, share it, share it on platforms like this, get on podcasts, get on any type of platform and share your story and don't be shy to share your story. I think that that was the hardest thing for me to do is admit that I made mistakes and admit that I needed help. And finally, when I got it, I was able to be successful and I'm, I'm still growing, you know, I'm still getting there. I mean, I have dreams and hopes and, you know, one day I want to work for Disney, <laughs> even though I look like a character from there, but you know, it's, being able to say that I still want to grow and not be complacent, that this industry will help you get there. So what's next for Red? For me, I, I want to grow. So, I mean, unfortunately, it's on a giant pause right now. The whole world is. Um, but for me right now, I have a salon. I have three people working for me. Um, it is a tiny, cute little salon. I'm in a company called Salon Republic. We are connected to Westfield Malls are kind of like Sola, but it's a little different. Um, but my goal is probably within the next five years is to own a 10 chair salon and make the stylist work for me. And so where I don't have to be behind the chair as much and I can live my life because I've been working two, three, four jobs probably for 20 years. So my job is, my job will be to manage them but still make money to where I can kind of take a breather. <laughs> Our last question. If you had a conversation with 2010 Red today, what would you tell her? Oh, wow. Um, in 2010 Red, I got my license in January. I would have said, say yes to everything, but check your resources. Uh, I would also say, save your money. If I would have just saved $5 a day with how much I worked in Santa Barbara, I would be so good. So manage your money better. Um, keep strong relationships. Uh, do your research. Definitely do your research. 
and maintain the mentors you have. It'll be so important in your future. That's beautiful. Can you share with us your social media? Of course. So I am on Instagram, beauty by red with two D's. So it sounds like beauty by reddited. (laughs) Um, And I, that's pretty much the social media platform I choose to use. I'm also on uh, Instagram for my salon. My salon is R underscore D studio. We are very new. We, like I said, we just opened three weeks ago, but yeah, support where you can, you guys. I think that's the best thing we can do for each other. Well, thank you so much for being such a positive, beautiful mentor to the industry. It was so much fun chatting with you. I'm sure, I mean, I could sit here forever all day and, and talk to you. <laughs> oh, you're so <laughs> talk, sweet. Thank you. And talk to you about just, you know, education in general and our industry in general. And there's so many people that we both know that I've lost touch with and like mm-hmm. we could sit here forever and just okay. chat. So, <laughs> well, thank you so much, Brad. If you liked what you heard today, please give us a like and follow us at The Collective Pro. Thank you.